everyone. Welcome back to the Career Medis Podcast. This is your host, Nassar Ahmad. This is episode 90 of the Career Medis Podcast. And this episode is part of the Recruiting Expert Series. And for today's uh, recruitment or Recruiting Expert Series episode, I'm interviewing Jorgen Sundberg. Uh, he's an employee brand consultant and the CEO of a company called Link Humans, a company based in London, United Kingdom. Uh, they're London's employer branding agency. Um, he's also the founder of Undercover Recruiter, a global resource on global recruiting and talent acquisition trends, insights, and opinion. Jorgen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Nisar, for having me. It's a delighted to be on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited as well. Uh, I, uh, the today's theme will uh, I will get to the theme and I'll ask a few questions. But before that, I always like to start off my interview with this question. Um, of course, you said you're, you're based in London. It's mm. uh, I don't know anybody in the very few people in the world would not know anything about London. But could you share with us a fun fact about London that people would not know unless they have lived there? Gosh. Okay. Well, first of all, you're, you're based in Canada, yes? I'm based in Toronto, Canada. Correct. Yeah. So first of all, it's not uh, London and Ontario. That's the... <laughs> yes. Thank you. London, United that's, Kingdom. Yeah. That's the one mistake. Sometimes Canadians do. They, they yeah. get it, reach out to the wrong London. Uh, something that you wouldn't know. Um, I think, um, well, I'm originally from Sweden. Um, I was brought up in Sweden and I've lived here in London for 15 years. So I think the weather is not as bad as, as everyone says it is. In fact, uh, the rainfall in London is, is less than uh, in Rome, Italy every year. So I, it's actually fairly mild here. Yes, you do have some, some rain every now and then. I mean, a bit more frequent, but it's not real downpour. So it's nothing extreme. So uh, the weather is actually better than people expect. And um, another thing which most people will probably associate London and the UK with uh, bad food, like uh, you know beans and toast and fish and chips and so on. But uh, nowadays, you can find any cuisine that you you want if you're uh, you know into meat or if you're vegan, whatever you like. Any type of obscure country uh, cuisine uh, will be on your doorstep. So. Weather's decent and the food is really good in London. So come and visit, and uh, we can have a coffee and talk about it. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for talking about that because people here uh, in Toronto, we do in Canada in general, we do get a lot of snow. Uh, it is uh-huh. cold, and uh, we do once in a while talk about London and think, uh, yeah, it's funny. Just a few days back, it is raining here, and uh, we're talking about oh, this is how it is in London every day. So, so thanks for <laughs> thanks for clearing the misconception. For people like me who have never been to London yet, and it's of course on my list for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to uh, to having you here one day, Nissan. Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, could you share with us a little bit, in, a little, little bit of introduction? I don't think I've done real justice by just reading a short bio. Um, could you share a little bit about your story and why you do what you're doing today? Right. Yeah. So um, I, um, like most people, accidentally got into uh, working in recruiting. So uh, I, when I moved to London, the plan was to stay here for one year and work in a sales job. 
and then I I stumbled across a role for a recruitment consultant and I got that job. I had no idea what, what it entailed. I thought it was more of an HR type of position. Turns out it's more of a sales position mm-hmm. and really about finding both clients and candidates and matching those up. Uh, so this was uh, in, in the, in the um, tech space, so recruiting people in, in the SAP area. And uh, I did that for seven years for a company and uh, recruiting um, experts globally. And uh, in my last year as, as a recruitment consultant, I started writing a blog called Undercover Recruiter, which uh, yeah has grown and become one of the well a leading uh, resource on uh, modern recruiting. And uh, alongside that, um, I also I did a lot of consulting and training um, to begin with. And formed a company called Link Humans back in 2010. So it's been going for a while now. And uh, over over the years, I realised that my sweet spot uh, was really working in employer brand because when I used to uh, manage re- recruiting uh, um, recruiting campaigns for the likes of Accenture or Deloitte, IBM, SAP, I did did realise that some of these companies that we work with, when we presented offers to candidates. Some of these um, had higher offer acceptances or they returned the calls quicker when, when you talked about some some companies, but whereas with other companies, yeah, for some reason, people just wouldn't accept or they'd take the job and they wouldn't show up on the first day. So I realized that uh, quite a lot goes into reputation and into the brand of an employer. If you get that right, if you if you offer a good experience around being a candidate and being an employee, then it's going to be so much easier to attract and retain the right talent. So that's really what I work with nowadays. And that's a great segue into what we wanted to talk about today is the whole concept of employer branding. You briefly mentioned that. And uh, would you mind expanding, like for, for someone who has not heard about it or they might know it, they might be doing it without knowing the term. What, what exactly would you say is employer branding? Yeah. So I think, uh, you probably want to start with employer brand. So employer brand is, to me, that's the, the reputation of your organization as an employer. And uh, just like a reputation, an employer brand, you don't really own it. It's really about, it's, it's what other people say about you when you're not in the room, as Jeff Bezos would put it. Mm-hmm. So you can influence this brand, this employer brand, but ultimately it's what candidates, employees, and alumni how they feel about your company. So what you can do when, when it goes more into employee branding, which is the activity around employee brand, is to uh, come up with some, some um, leading um, principles, some, some um, value propositions around it, and try to um, basically communicate what, it, what it's like to work for a company. And you can also spread the message beyond people who already know about your company too. Uh, so talent candidates out there who would never even consider working for your company. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the power of employer branding, telling the story of what it's like, but obviously not uh, exaggerating because that's just gonna that's just gonna bite you in the back one day. And also spreading the message further than uh, people just just know your organization in a in a consumer context or might not even know your your organization at all. Hmm. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, why why is this important? Um, in 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 other words, like should why would they not just stop and just post a job posting on LinkedIn and Indeed and stop there? 
or why should employers care? Yeah, so uh, I think um, generally, um, if you look at the last 20 or 30 years, you posted a job up, you, you paid an okay salary, you had a, a decent office, then mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't have a problem recruiting. But what, what companies are seeing increasingly is uh, what they call, quote unquote, the, the war for talent, especially right. in, in some areas. So engineers, technology people, um, that's people working on AI and all this stuff that there, there is such competition for talent. So, so it's not just enough to post a job on a job board or have recruiters call out people because these um, people are in really tight marketplaces. They have so many offers already and they're probably really well remunerated and have quality of work where they are. So uh, that's where you have to think beyond just uh, the advertising side of things. It's actually around what do we what do we offer what are the values as an employer how can we stand out in a very crowded marketplace so essentially it's having if you look from a product perspective it's having a, a really strong usp and, a, and mm. a reason to be um so that a, a candidate would choose you over the, the next company that's definitely an interesting shift uh, because, you know, applying to a job posting is mean you're trying to get a job, but when you have a proper employer brand, you're trying to look for what company to work for. So it's just beyond the job. It's more about the company, uh, what they can get out of there more than just the functions, right? Yeah. And I think there's a distinction between employer branding and recruitment marketing as well. Right. Because uh, if you think as, as a marketer, you'll have a funnel. So at the top of the funnel, it's creating awareness and uh, brand building. So that's, that to me is where employer branding sits. It's really about talking about the company as a whole, what values we have, the type of people we have, but not so much specifically about job roles or about salary and so on. But if somebody enters the funnel, if they perhaps follow the company on LinkedIn or they sign up to something, take the first step and then, then they understand that this is an employer that's actually doing things that um, that I might be interested in. Over time, if you're in that talent community, if you're then presented with some job opportunities, and I think that's when it comes more into recruitment marketing, recruitment advertising, that's when you might be uh, tempted to click the submit button because you see a role which you understand what the employer is all about already, but mm-hmm. you need to see a role that really speaks to you so go okay now i see where i can fit into this organization mm-hmm. and that's when people click uh, um, submit my cv or, or resume so i think it's really understanding where, where people are in the in the process and i think uh, everyone that works with sort of talent communications um yeah the, the whole industry is getting more and more sophisticated than it was a few years ago when it when you could just plow money into advertising and people would apply. So now you have to think about where people are in their decision-making process. Okay. So now, thanks for clarifying that because now we have established what and what is employer branding, why is it important? Um, Another question I have is, so let's say someone understands this, how do they measure uh, employer brand? How does someone measure their employer brand? In other words. Yeah. So there are lots of different ways to measure. And I think, for employer brand to, to grow and become more important as a function inside an organization, uh, I think the employer brand professionals, practitioners really have to prove ROI and justify their, their existence because what it takes is a new CFO to come in and say, hang on, 
why are we why are we doing employer branding? I can't see any any bottom line figures against this. So it's about trying to make the intangible tangible. So the the, the one challenge I found is that companies use different metrics when they um, when they, they measure the whole entire employer brand. So so diff- there are internal and there are external data points you can look at. So let's let's say internal surveys for instance annual engagement surveys pulse surveys um, anything like performance reviews new hire surveys exit interviews you can look at candidate experience and could look at net promoter score so people working for your organization how many of them are happy to recommend your company as an employer to friends and family that's very powerful we can also look at benchmarks like um, great place to work and uh, even bespoke internal research then if you look at external data points, things like um, the LinkedIn talent brand index and uh, other benchmarks from like the likes of Universal, Nielsen, Towers Watson, Randstad do a, a big study every year as well. Uh, bespoke external research. We at LinkHumans, we've uh, developed something called the employer brand index where we look at all external um, data points that are user-generated data points so we look at employee review sites we look at social media and we look at forums and blogs anything that's being said about a company in an employment context so i find that super interesting because people the people that talk about your company in that context will be candidates employees and alumni so you get a fairly full picture of what's going on and yeah, I mean, I could I could talk for forever about measurement, but uh, if you look at a company like Salesforce, for instance, who I think are mm-hmm. very advanced at uh, uh, doing employer branding in general, they look at things like employee review sites scores. They also have a uh, a culture hashtag, one that's called um, Ohana. So Ohana is this concept of family in Hawaiian, which is that's what Salesforce is all about, and they they look at how many people are using this hashtag. On a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. They look at employee referral rates. They look at positive interview experiences. So to the measure, uh, let's say 100 people go through interviews at Salesforce. Unfortunately, only about five or 10 are actually going to get the job. But the idea here is to make sure that everyone has a positive experience uh-huh. uh, because they might end up as clients one day. And then, of course, also benchmarks like great place to work. And I think it's uh, Forbes' most... Um, most in-demand employers. So there's there's uh, there's a lot lot of different ways you can measure it. And um, also, I think some companies are very very marketing driven. Others are more HR driven. Um, so it's really looking at what really matters to to the C-level executives and and um, reporting back the numbers that they want. Yeah, very interesting. And thanks for giving an example because. Um, it, it, the examples like that really helps uh, bring home the point. Um, so you give an example of someone who's really measuring and a company like Salesforce that is obsessed about it, which is very good. And you can see mm. the impact. Um, people do want to apply and work for Salesforce. Uh, I wanted to ask you some questions. Is that, what are some mistakes that you see employers make with their branding on the other side, on the flip side? Yeah, so it's mistakes. I think uh, one mistake is is to jump straight into the activation phase. So to me, an, uh, an employer brand is, is sort of a, a life cycle around employer brand. But if you start from scratch, there should be research. And that in, entails 
uh, employee surveys, focus groups, looking at any type of internal data, as well as external data. So looking at uh, what, what candidates out there in the market, how they feel about your company. And then all that research should then go into strategy, which uh, from that strategy, you can build EVP, which I, th I think we might talk about a bit more later. And uh, having that EVP, then you know exactly how you're going to present your company from, from an employment perspective. Then you can go into activation. So putting that out onto social media and other places and then measuring what, what uh, is actually working. Now, the, the biggest mistake I see is companies jumping into the activation phase without having done the proper research in the first place. So that's probably number one. Another one is uh, companies having a number of different messages. So, uh, so recruiters will be saying one thing on LinkedIn, perhaps, or uh, if you look at the career page, there's a different tagline and slogan, different imagery from what I can see on Facebook. So that's... Uh, you know, when you're about to buy something from, uh, let's say, a company like Apple, everything is, is so synced up. It's the same brand experience for every touch point. But uh, if people are saying different things, even if they're in different countries or different cities, that that's, um, I don't think uh, it helps the credibility of that mm -hmm. company as an employer. So those those things probably the the ones I see the most. And then perhaps also measurement. Um, I do see companies who are kind of dabbling in employer brand. So typically that will be recruiters who add employer branding to their, to their, almost to their LinkedIn profile and, and do some social media updates and so on without actually thinking strategically and thinking about how can we measure this. And, um, and if you don't do it with, with the end, an end in mind, it's never really going to uh, be a, a function on its own. I think it's always going to be um, something that um, someone does alongside with, with their with their day job. Mm -hmm. So, so those are probably three pitfalls. So, you, you during when you were talking about the mistakes and pitfalls, you you gave a few examples of like best practices. Um, what would you recommend are some of the best practices when doing for doing this correctly? Yeah. So. When you want to do employer brand correctly, so mm -hmm. you want to try to do it, well, ideally in a perfect scenario, you want to have a, a C-level executive, so ideally the CEO who actually buys into employer brand understands how important talent is. So basically having that person sponsoring you from day one, and that's sponsoring you internally as in saying, this is really important to all the other leaders and everyone else saying pay heed to this, uh, to this project uh, and really helping you drive the project forward, but also actually being able to release the budgets necessary for this. Mm -hmm. So for an employer brand project to really be successful there. I mean, I, I haven't seen many examples where, where real employer branding has, has, has been done with, without proper budgets. So budgets for, Perhaps hiring people who have done it in other places or perhaps having a, a strong agency partner uh, or a consultant that can come in and help. That's really important. And then following the steps by doing research, strategy, activation and measurements. That's really how you want to do it. And I think try to um, basically holding, holding your horses in a way because the research phase could take up to a year 
whereas most people that they want to click the button and activate straight away uh, so it's um, it's about going slowly making sure that it's it's correct from from the from day one uh, and then when you do launch the employer brand you should have a much better effect than uh, if you hadn't done done it properly uh, Jorgen, you give an example of Salesforce, uh, and now you shared some ideas about best practices. Um, any other companies that you can think that are really doing very well in the space? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, GE, for instance, okay. uh, which is, uh, is a client of ours, they, um, I think they do a great job with uh, being a, or they call themselves almost like a 150-year-old startup uh, because they have a lot, a lot of legacy uh, people have a lot of legacy ideas about GE that they make toasters and uh, white goods, but that's uh, that was a long time ago and they sold off those divisions. Now it's really heavy machinery they do, um, nuclear reactors and um, uh, air- airplane engines and so on. So the type of stuff that um, they, nobody can walk into a shop to buy is really B2B, but they still have 350,000 employees. So, so how do you make that tangible to people to for talent to understand what GE really does, and so what what I think they've done really well at the employer brand side is that they teamed up with uh, the marketing side of GE, so the, the consumer brand side, and uh, they've you may have seen these ads with uh, Owen, the guy who um, joins GE Digital, talks about uh, how he's going to how he can uh, make. Um, technology and software that's going to change the world so uh, a series of videos and activation program around uh, what it's really like to work for GE and I've seen a few others about there's a little girl talking about her mom and her, her mom she's so proud of her mom because she helps other people um, build um, um, big machines that help people travel from one city to another so aeroplanes for instance um, so it, it's a they're really putting that their people at the forefront of their, their marketing. Um, so I think that was really powerful. And also in terms of uh, going back to budgets, because it's a big company, they're, they're to my knowledge, the only company that's ever done mm-hmm. an employer brand commercial during the Super Bowl, um, which is pretty impressive. So people now are understanding who GE are and also, uh, but they, they, at least from what they've seen on the commercials, seem to be a, a good employer. So I think that the real takeaway from GE is that it's a company that try to lead with people and also the employer brand function has partnered very well with, with the marketing function because marketing is always going to have bigger budgets than employer brands. So if you, you can team up with those guys, then I think you're on to a winner. Very interesting. And yeah, that's, that's always... Uh, it's a growing trend right now. If you look at big businesses, you mentioned Salesforce, you mentioned uh, uh, companies like GE. Uh, if they're doing Super Bowl ads, that means they're taking this very, very seriously, mm. uh, right? So that's actually a good trend because the sh- the, what I find encouraging is uh, it has gone from uh, a place where uh, job seekers had to just apply and they felt a little bit disempowered to now where it looks like a level pay, playing field where companies are trying to attract the right candidate, candidates. They're trying to provide as much um, of a great environment for people to work. So that's very encouraging to see the world is shifting towards that mm-hmm. rather than a one-sided model where if you go back hundred years, 
uh, or even 150 years uh, when everybody used to work in factories, it was not great working conditions. Um, no. It was, was one-sided. Uh, so it's very encouraging to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I think back in those days, it was very transactional, wasn't it? But right. Nobody really cared about, well, I'm sure they cared about people, but it was more like they, these people are cogs in, a, mm-hmm. in, in, in the factory and we just need to get as much work out of them as possible. Whereas now it's more about if we can attract the right people, people that believe in our purpose and mission, yeah. they will, um, yeah, they will come up with even better ideas than we have and, and drive this business forward. So yeah, super interesting. I also wanted to ask because the examples you gave are, are big, massive corporations. Um, mm. How does this, like, let's say, let's say someone is a small business or a startup that has 10 employees. Um, how is this different for them uh, than a big company like Google, Salesforce, Google, GE? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. And I think, I mean, one question, an existential question around employee brand can be, do we really need employee brand thinking when we are a small company? And I don't think it's necessarily that important. I think it's better to focus on culture, uh, perhaps looking into to your values and projecting that, that that can in a way become your employer branding. So you don't necessarily need someone dedicated to employer branding. And I think when you're a smaller business, people will look more into uh, mission, vision, values, where is the company heading, who, who is behind the company, who are the other people, and so on. They, they join a small company for different reasons. When, you know, go for a big company, you're thinking, okay, I can work internationally, it's going to look great on my CV, lots of internal career mobility and so on. Smaller companies, people have, will have different priorities. So I, I wouldn't worry too much uh, about it. Uh, if I if I ran a smaller business, which I do, incidentally, <laughs> uh, so I try to focus more on the on the corporate side of things. Like, but uh, in terms of good examples, there, I think um, what you can do as a smaller business is just to try to project some culture and project uh, what goes on inside the business. Simple things like having an Instagram account where you actually take pictures of someone's birthday or you do a, a fun run or a charity bake-off sale and stuff like that just projecting culture try to get people involved and um, sharing things on social media themselves talking about the business but also when you're a small business if you can win um, uh, an award for anything really that's going to help your employer brand because you'll be seen as an interesting company and by default an interesting employer. So uh, a company that um, that I can mention it is a company in, in Australia, um, uh, a recruitment company called Cox Pertel, which uh, they have about, I believe, about 25 employees. And these guys are interesting because they, they seem to have a really good uh, culture and uh, the company's doing really well. They had uh, an, an issue, they still have an issue, I believe, in uh, trying to find other recruiters to work for them in Australia because the, the market's completely tapped out. Um, there's, uh, yeah, there's super high competition for experienced recruiters. Mm-hmm. They tried to recruit in Europe. Uh, that didn't work because uh, recruiters had too many choices there as well. So what they did is they, uh, they shot a few films on their iPhones, I should add, so very low production costs there. They, they did some videos around life in Sydney. So you can imagine what life in Sydney would look like. Of course, like running down on Bondi Beach and having barbecues and drinking beers in the sunshine and just um, 
and enjoying life. And then what they did is they, um, they uh, targeted that recruiters on Facebook and not just any recruits, but they targeted recruiters in, in the US, especially during the winter months. So you were talking about the snow in Toronto <laughs> with someone who's in uh, North Dakota looking out the, the window in the middle of January. Um, they, they, if they see a video on uh, Facebook uh, where the uh, sun is shining and you can actually go swimming tomorrow, if, you're, if only you were in Sydney, Australia, um, that could actually stand out a bit in their feed. And it certainly did. They had uh, lots of American recruiters apply for jobs there. And they have hired at least a handful of Americans who they sorted out visas for who've moved over uh, to Sydney. And uh, in, uh, in the process, they also reduced the cost per hire by 85%, which is uh, astounding, really. So they didn't have to pay wow. for uh, any external recruitment fees or anything. So all they did was more um, Facebook activation. So I think um, if you're a smaller business, don't don't think too much about employee brand. Just try try and be creative more about the people you're targeting, and um, just show off culture and values. And I think that could be a, a good recipe for success. You bring up a very good point there because you mentioned about the cost of recruiting, and uh, if there's mm. numerous res- research, and I believe even on your website, Undercover Recruiter, you've re- re- talked about it, written about it. Uh, is it's an expensive proposition for many companies. Mm-hmm. You know, the cost of replacing someone, cost of hiring. But what I got out of what he just said is with that example. If you, if you, as a company, you've done, you've showcased your culture, or if you've uh, done a good job of investing in building an employer brand, that significantly reduces the cost of um, recruiting or hiring. Is that, did I understand that correctly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, the trend, at least in the UK and Europe, in the last five years has been very much a shift from a third party recruitment companies. So uh, we would call them recruitment agencies, we might call them. Uh, staffing firms in the US and so on, uh, to actually insourcing the recruitment function mm-hmm. to do it internally with the help of tools like LinkedIn and, and social media and, and other technologies. So that's the, the, well, that's the first step in, in reducing uh, uh, the fees paid, so saving money there. But also, we, if you then invest in employer brand and employer branding, so activating this, that's further going to, to help that, that pipeline and that funnel of um, applicants looking you up and actually applying uh, unsolicited. So you may not, you may or may not have to uh, contact them or even if you do contact uh, a candidate that looks uh, or, you know, a person just in a job on LinkedIn, that if the employer brand has done a good job, they will already know about you as employer. So it's a slightly warmer approach. It's going to be f- less phone calls, perhaps fewer interviews and more likely that uh, that person gets placed. So, so that the employer brand is there to, to really warm people up and uh, to hold their hand throughout the process. And uh, if you can, if you can choose, showcase the, uh, the reduction in uh, recruiting spend, that's mm-hmm. obviously, um, that's, that, that would be the, that holy grail. But interestingly, for, I think for a small company, it makes a big difference, this uh, reduced cost per hire. But a lot of the big companies I speak to, for them, the cost doesn't seem to be a, such a big issue what they're more interested in is the quality of hire. Mm-hmm. So they, so they say, well, it doesn't really matter if we pay an extra 500,000 a year or, or not. We just need a super 
talented people to come in. So, uh, yeah, it's funny how big bucks don't really matter sometimes when you, when you think it would do. Yes. Yeah, thanks for uh, uh, like honing that point as well. Thank you. Um, you did mention something about a term called the EVP. So I wanted to come back to that and hmm. expand on that. What is an EVP? Yeah, so an EVP is sort of the articulation of your employer brand. So uh, EVP stands for um, Employer Value Proposition. And uh, it's it's essentially, uh, how can I describe this? It's um, you can, you can see it almost like a, a house with a, the, the roof being a, an overall tagline, something talking about what it's like to work for this particular company. And then there are a certain a number of pillars, normally three to five pillars, and they will be pillars sort, sort of underpinning the, the whole EVP saying career stability, work-life balance, uh, making an impact in the world or flexible work hours and so on. And uh, this overall tagline and the pillars, they are the ones which really determine how you're going to activate the whole employer brand and how you're going to talk about yourself, how you're going to visualize things, how job descriptions should be written, how um, what type of topics you should bring up in interviews. Everything should be seamless. And, and also, the, the, the EVP is really there to, to give people an idea about what it's really like to work for your company. And a really strong EVP would not just tell the right people that it's, this is, could be the company for them, but it would also tell the, the wrong candidates that this is not right for them. So it's, an EVP should attract the right people and repel the wrong ones, if that makes sense. So I think a strong EVP should not appeal to 100% of, uh, of talent out there. It should, it should really zone in on, on about probably the, the, the 20%. And the other 80%, they should realize, okay, this looks like a nice company, but reading the EVP, probably not for me. So I'm not going to waste my time and the company's time by sending off a CV and going to interviews when I realize already that, that this is not going to lead anywhere. So that's the power of a strong EVP, really uh, m- making it very clear from everyone, uh, all sides to begin with. And a good example of this is um, Virgin, so Richard Branson's company, which uh, is seen as a very cool, sexy, and uh, you know, fun place to work because that's what you know, Richard Branson's personality is all about. And uh, you're thinking, yeah, I'll be up in the air, Virgin Atlantic, drinking cocktails and having fun. Uh, but Virgin, when they, when they realized that uh, that was their perception in the marketplace, it was, they realized that a lot of people were applying to Virgin, even though they didn't understand what it was really like to work there. Because they saw it more from a, a consumer perspective, which is all about fun. So they thought it was really important for them to create an EVP, which, yes, it does stress that, yeah, we, we, we want to have fun. We need to be innovative and so on. But one of the pillars was also we work hard, which was, which was um, the brand team wasn't really sure about it, so they had to test it on a number of focus groups. But uh, people internally absolutely agreed with it. And uh, that, that is their official EVP, so that's uh, candidates shouldn't be, uh, should I say, uh, pull, pull, pull away for, from all the consumer uh, advertising. So they should really see that okay, mm-hmm. there is a, there's a serious angle to working for Virgin as well. So 
that's that's an example. But I think in general, the EVP, because you're saying this is the, the, the value proposition, if you're telling a candidate, this is what it's like to work for us. And then if they go through the interview, they take the job, three months later, they realize, hang on, this isn't what I was promising in the EVP or, or by the people interviewing me. What, what's going to be the result? That they are probably going to leave. It's going to be very costly to replace them. And they might write a really bad review on places like Glassdoor. So it's really going to do big damage to employee brands. So I think strong EVP, strong employee brand in general, it's all about clarity and, and honesty. And um, yeah, that, that's the gist of the EVP. Okay, thanks for clarifying that. And my final question is uh, one of the com- another terms that commonly come up is the word em- um, employee advocacy. advocacy. Um, how is that different from employee branding? Yeah, so employee advocacy uh, is um, some sits somewhere in between employee brand, communications, marketing, HR, recruiting. So it's not specifically for. Uh, attracting and retaining talent. However, it does heavily influence it. And so employee advocacy is, is um, because um, we realize now that uh, it's not just a company that, that talks about itself like you used to do back in the day. Uh, now everyone's a publisher because everyone has social media channels. And uh, again, employee advocacy is a concerted effort to try to encourage employees to share updates about the company so culture updates that we've already talked about or or news about the company and perhaps roles and vacancies jobs with the company as well and it can take very different shapes so i mean the most most basic way is just to encourage employees to be active on social media to give them some training around the do's and the don'ts and to lead from the front so if the ceo and the founders if they're doing it, then they're showing the whole organization that this is, uh, this is a good thing to do. Uh, it's about um, trusting your employees. It's about um, allowing them to build their own personal brands. And in the process, of course, they, that brand is going to rub off on the, on the organization too. Because uh, from a candidate or sorry, uh, an employee's perspective, uh, it's, of course, important to build your personal brand for your career, whether you can stay with the company or not. So, um, yeah, for, for basically for, for both parties, it's a win-win situation. And if you want to take it even one step further, you can uh, introduce gamification as well. So that's whoever shared the most this month or whoever um, someone's share may perhaps have led to uh, a new client signing up or to someone joining the company. They win a, uh, a trip to uh, some, somewhere nice, to Toronto, Canada. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, so... That can be introduced as well. And there are a number of technologies such as uh, Smart and uh, Dynamic Signal and Sociable that can can help companies automate this and and also can calculate ROI and so on. But uh, employee advocacy, the way I see it, is not really about technology. It's more of a mindset and starts with um, just trusting your employees, being more active on social media and uh, allowing them to build their personal brands and then yeah, I think we've seen see a lot of companies doing this. GE is one of them who's actively pushing employee advocacy. So I think we'll see a lot more of this uh, in the coming months and years. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for clarifying that as well. And uh, Jorgen, I think we have covered a lot of ground. Uh, thanks mm. for uh, sharing your wisdom. Uh, we are coming to the end of the interview here. And before we wrap up, uh, any last words that you would like to share with the audience? Well, any last words? Um, yeah, if you're interested in employer branding, there are lots of resources out there. Um, feel free to tune into the employer branding podcast. There's an employer branding forum group on uh, Facebook. There's a really good book called the employer brand management by Richard Mosley. Uh, it's lots being written about it and uh, the conference as well happening all over the world. And you can have a look at the hashtag uh, EB chats, which is also useful. So uh, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to, to, uh, to ask me as well. And yeah, just thank you so much for, having me on the podcast yeah it was a pleasure very educational for myself and as well and i'm sure anyone listening would uh, would have got different perspectives on this so uh, on behalf of everyone thank you very much thank you thanks folks for listening to this episode of the career medicine podcast uh, i have written a brief summary of the interview uh, with the links and resources that was mentioned by jorgen uh, if you enjoyed this episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this amongst your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you. 